happy to introduce to you our guest speaker and, and friends this morning um, from Settled. If you don't know about Settled, uh, Settled works with um, works ag against the problem of homelessness um, in our cities. And they have a unique and godly approach to that. And I'm so excited for you to hear about that today from our, our main speaker, Gabriel Clotis, with us this morning as well. We're going to start off with a word of prayer led by, uh, also from Settled, Rose Larson. So would you give a Northwestern welcome to our guests this morning? So I was a student at a similar university just over 10 years ago, uh, sitting in a chapel just like you, and a prayer on my heart at that time was from a song that many of you probably know, God break my heart for what breaks yours, and he's done that, hmm. and he does that for us, and many of you, especially grandparents, have many stories of God doing that in your life, in your heart, and so... Join with me in prayer as I read a scripture and then just pray for our time, even though we've already been praying through worship. But Father, Abba, thank you. Thank you that your spirit is here. Your spirit is inside of us like streams of living water. Fill us afresh with your spirit. Lead and guide our thoughts, our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits to hear what you have to share with us today, to receive what you have, and to have our eyes even more opened, our ears even more opened, our hearts broken for what breaks your heart. Thank you that Matthew 25 says this, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in and needing clothes and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Our king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you've done for me. And Jesus, thank you for being our king. Thank you for giving us eyes to see that the least of these among us are our brothers and sisters. That we are all the least of these as we take the position and humble ourselves before you. Christ, we want to know you. Like Philippians 3 said, we want to know you and the power of your resurrection participating in your suffering becoming like you in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Thank you for your resurrection power. Thank you for leading us and guiding us. Thank you for speaking through Gabrielle and what's on her heart and what you've shown her. Thank you. It's all for your glory. It's all for worship of you, our King. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Rose. Amen. Amen. Can we get a big amen? amen. <clears throat> I thank you all for that clap um, <clears throat> to introduce us, but of course, it's all for him, right? Um, just a raise of hands. Who's ever seen someone who's homeless? 
Look around the room. Every hand is up. <laughs> that tells me that these are our neighbors, and they're in our own backyard. Raise your hand if you knew exactly what to do or say. I don't see any hands. I see a couple hands. That also tells me that there is so much fear around homelessness and who they are and what kind of neighbor they're going to be. And what if I invite them into my life? What would, what would that look like? What if I roll my window down? Am I supposed to give money? I'm not sure. I thought there were services. I thought the government helped. I know there's places that they can go. I think they're scamming me. Don't they make like $40,000 a year? <laughs> All of those things like flood our minds when we're at the stop sign and it's a red light and we're just like, please God, let it change green. I know you love me, let it change green. And what if he's saying, hey, I love that person. I love them so much. That's your brother, that's your sister. I want you to roll your window down. I want you to say hello. You might not understand, and you might, you're not going to be able to fix anything in that moment, but you can be authentic and real and look them in the eyes and say, I'm so sorry you're out here. I'm so sorry you're out here. And I'm going to be thinking about you today. I'm going to be praying that it gets better. Imagine. Imagine what that would do. I think that there's fear around the homeless as a strategic swipe from the dark side. I think that when we read Isaiah, we see that God uses the poor, the lonely, the outcast, the foreigner to build his kingdom. And so what if the small group of people that are on the streets, that have nobody, what if through them, God was building his kingdom? And as a church, as a body, if we were to invite them into our abundance, to the banquet table, what might we learn? How might this kingdom be expanded? You might be saying, okay, who is this girl? What is this? Um, this is gibberish. So I'm gonna give you a little context. Um, I'm a research fellow at the University of Minnesota. I study housing and homelessness. I've been doing that for a lot of years. Um, but I've always studied international poverty. I've been to many parts of the world. I've seen what it looks like to live on $2 a day. Um, I saw poverty for the first time when I was 12 years old. I wonder if some of you also have some of those stories. Been overseas, seen poverty, and it crushes you. And you have that moment with God where you say, okay, you can have my life. I realize that my privilege comes with a responsibility, and you can have my life. The next year, I was 13, I was in Russia, I was seeing girls my same age being prostituted and pimped out, and it broke me. How can I go back to the U.S.? How can I go back to my resource life, knowing that people are in such bondage and such poverty? So I studied poverty and um, and, and housing through undergrad and through grad school, and then my family moved here to Minnesota about seven years ago um, so I could get a PhD in housing. I don't, I don't recommend a PhD to anyone. It's awful, <laughs> terrible thing. Um, and, uh, but 
But here we are, and I was studying international poverty, and two years into the program, um, I felt like God said, it's time to look at poverty in your own backyard. I said, oh, I really don't want to do that. (laughs) No, 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 I don't want to do that. I'm going to help the deserving poor. You ever have thoughts like that? There's the deserving poor, and then there's the undeserving poor. Well, in my mind, the homeless in America were, were that undeserving poor. It's like, they, they did something to get there. There's, they, there's a reason that they're there. You know, they're in America, they're fine. We've got government programs. We've got social service programs. We've got the church. The church does food drives and coat drives and emergency drives. We've got all of that. They're fine. Guess what God said? He said, you're right. (laughs) No. He said, it's time for you to look at poverty in your own backyard. And so he's just started opening my eyes to people out there. So going into the woods and under bridges and park benches and meeting people and listening to their stories and realizing, oh, they're not fine. (laughs) They're not fine. There is a profound loneliness that is on people that are on the outskirts of society. They are despised, unloved, and unwanted of our society. They're the lepers of our society, the untouchables, the please stay far away. Let's not have them in our churches or in our neighborhoods. I want to say that There's a lot of reasons, a lot of fences, a lot of fear fences that have been built around the homeless to make them seem despicable. Uh, The drug addicts, the screw-ups, the prostitutes, the unlovables. But what I've learned from five years of researching, five years of looking around and seeing what the response to homelessness is from the government, from the church, from society, is that all the solutions that we are coming up with miss the point. They all just say, you're homeless because you have no housing. You're homeless because we don't have social services. So we'll just build more housing. We'll just build more social service programs and then you won't be homeless anymore. But it's so much deeper than that. That's just bad fruit on a tree that's been Its roots are in a childhood of trauma, neglect, abuse, and violence. And so how do we start to look at those roots and say, if you have experienced this profound, catastrophic loss of family, and that has led to a profound and catastrophic loss of community, I mean, come on, what would it take for you to be standing on a street corner holding a sign? You would have to fall deep, 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 deep. No family, no community. So is it enough to give housing and social services? To live a life where everyone you interact with is a paid professional? No, I don't think so. I think if you are homeless because you have experienced this loss of family, then what will make you home full or no longer homeless is to be embraced by family. Now today I'm talking to you about the chronic homeless. People that are in long-term homeless, 5, 10, 20, 
40 years. Like our neighbor Penny, whose mom began drugging her at the age of two and pimping her out. Fast forward 40 years, she's holding a sign on the street corner, and you're in your car going, I think she's scamming me. She's just going to use this on drugs. There's programs out there. I know she can get help somewhere. I'm not supposed to do anything. Did, did Penny have any chance of a healthy, happy adulthood at two years old, being victimized in that way and for your whole childhood? What if we start to not ask, what did that person do to get themselves there? What if we began asking, what might have happened to you in your life for you to be here? I think that we would have eyes of empathy. I think we would have eyes like the Father to see you're lost, you're in bondage, you're oppressed, and through the power and grace of Jesus, I can call you home, call you into family. I want to say that the next part of this is the solution. I said, uh, sort of, uh, the Lord allowed me to study this for about a year, and when I was totally broken and saw all the responses out there and felt like, but there's no hope. What will we do? Nobody wants to build affordable housing. Nobody wants to build intentional community. Nobody's allowing tiny homes. Like, all the solutions that are out there, it's not, they're, they don't exist. And so the Lord started downloading things of like how to overcome massive barriers to this wicked and complex problem. The first of that is that you're not going to see a single development, single housing development where you have housed and unhoused coming and living together intentionally. That makes all the difference. If you have someone coming off the streets out of deep poverty and abuse and neglect, but then you have someone like Rose, who's not experienced homelessness, who comes from a happy, healthy family, who has margin in her life to live alongside as a good neighbor and a friend, that makes this distinct from everything else out there. And so the, the culmination of these things that the Lord downloaded came to be called a sacred settlement. So a sacred settlement is a collection of tiny homes where housed and unhoused come and live together, and it's all placed on church land. Church land is um, land that's already tax-free, land that's already being paid off or is paid off, a congregation there that has a desire and will and mission to care for the poor, like Rose read from Matthew. And it is also protected under a very strong federal land use law, which makes this development be able to happen in a way that it wouldn't be able to happen on any other land. And so what if God is calling forth the American church to rise up and say yes? using land and buildings that they have and welcoming the poor and the despised and the unloved 
off the streets, out of isolation, out of loneliness, and into a family. I imagine that it would set fire to the whole congregation. I imagine that it would set fire to the whole body. We have our first sacred settlement up um, that we've been preparing for um, a long time now. It's a collection of six homes. Two of the homes are filled with what we call missional neighbors. Rose is one of them. Kim and Jamal are the other. Missional neighbors are on there to be um, good friends, have a faithful presence in the community, pay rent in the same way. And then four of the homes will be filled with people that are like Penny, coming out of chronic homelessness. They're the most expensive to the public. They're the hardest to house with the least amount of options. It's that despised, unloved, unwanted. And we're saying, you. You're my brother, you're my sister, and you are so loved. We're welcoming you into a community. And then the church building that was already there, already paid off. We renovated the first floor of it. We turned the Jander's closet into a shower room. You could show a slide if you want. Um, we put in laundry. We put in large dining tables to gather and have community meals. We've been lobbying the state and the city of St. Paul for a lot of years to explain this model, a new model of care, a community-first response to homelessness, and a new model of housing, tiny homes, in an intentional community where you share a common house so that you can gather together regularly for games and walks and meals but then you have your own individual home for safety and privacy and security. The very first sacred settlement, this is actually, this photo is at our, um, our demonstration site. We've partnered with Woodland Hills Church, has a, uh, it's an old super Kmart that they've turned into a community resource hub and church. And so um, we have our production center there where we build the tiny homes. Each home is sponsored by a different church built by volunteers, overseen by our general contractor. These homes will be going over to Mosaic Christian Community. It's the first church that has said yes to putting this on their land. The land is ready for the homes. All the inhabitants are selected. They're all people that we've been walking alongside with for lots and lots of years. Under bridges and park benches and in the woods and meeting with them every week, knowing them by name and face and story, so that we're inviting friends in. But it's just six homes, the first one, and we need a lot of churches to rise up and do their part, to say we have land, or we have resources, or we have hammers, nails, we can help build. I think everyone has a place in a community-first response to homelessness. I think it's a way that the Lord is knitting us back together through the poor and the oppressed and the broken, building his kingdom, expanding his kingdom. A few ways that we want to invite you to come into this. Um, a few of those ways are coming out with us and meeting people and getting to know people by face, by story, meeting people right where they are. Another one is coming and volunteering with us. We say that everyone has a superpower, and if you just come with your superpower, this thing expands. 
Or you could talk to your own church leaders about potentially putting this on their land or sponsoring a home, building a home. In all of these ways, we each just bring our offering and we can invite a lonely group of people into a family. And our family can become stronger from it. People on the streets are just looking for connection. If you see someone, park your car, run across the highway and sit with them, I'm certain that you'll hear a story. I'm certain that it would change your life. And it would change theirs too. How long do they go without someone looking them in the eyes and saying, you're of value, you are worthy of love, you are worthy of me stopping my day to say hello. You're worth the inconvenience of pausing and seeing you and saying, you're my brother, you're my sister, and I don't understand, but I'm so sorry you're out here. I think we can do that. We can do that. And it'll be bringing heaven to earth. Um, Settled is uh, made up of a family, and some of our family is here. Um, We'll be at a little table in the front. Um, So we'd love for you to stop by and say hello and take a card, um, ask questions, get involved. We really appreciate you just being open to listening today. We hope that the next time you see someone on the streets, you might ask, what might have happened to you? And maybe even pause and spend some time and listen to their story. Thank you so much.